0: Zavarian Dramatics presents Charles Dickens' *A Christmas Carol*, a podcast play. Episode one: Bah humbug! Ah, Christmas time—the season of giving, the season of light, and of stories shared round the fire. Hearing a story at Christmas time stirs the child within each of us, making it crave another, then another, until we in turn find ourselves telling those same stories we had heard long ago. Every hallmark, every time honored Christmas tradition is partnered with a stirring tale of glad tidings, good fortune, and great spirit. We share these Christmas stories with everyone who will listen. We repeat them again and again, year after year, because their kernels of truth and wisdom center our hearts. While there are many wonderful Christmas stories, there remains one that inspires generation after generation.
1: He will be great
0: and will be called the Son of the Most High God. Well, yes, of course, that goes without saying. Sure, that's a classic. <laughs> Enough. I'm talking about the simultaneously soul-wrenching and heartwarming tale of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Our story begins in London, 1843. for the bowl. Turkeys, get your Christmas turkey before it's too late. The toy store is open and ready for business! London at Christmas is a sight to behold. An autumn's worth of dim sunlight, cloaked in layers of fog and soot, gives way to warm lamplight, friendly greetings, and everyone's favorite puddings, pies, and punches. Londoners gather with friends, family, neighbors, and, well, Just about anybody who shares the joy of the season. While the adults of London fill their bellies with bottenbergs and brandy, the children gather to fill the streets with music. I saw
2: three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. I saw three ships come
0: sailing in on Christmas Day in the morning. And what was in those ships all free on Christmas Day?
2: Out of the way. You're taking up the whole block. Are
0: you all right, Annabelle? For Pete's sake, sir, it's nearly Christmas. Have you no heart? Shh. Don't you know who that is? <gasps> I'm sorry, Mr. Scrooge. Indeed, it was Ebenezer Scrooge, the sole beneficiary of London's most successful counting house.
2: Have I no heart? You said these words to me, girl?
0: Scrooge slowly approached the young girl, and the young girl prayed for her very soul. There were few creatures scarier to a child than Scrooge, for Scrooge was a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, and covetous old sinner.
2: I have a heart, but my heart is tethered to the ground, to reality. The world doesn't stop simply because a ratbag like you decides to sing in the streets and take up my walkway. There's work to be done, money to be made. Look at me, girl. All of you. Look and listen to me. If you want to make anything of this life, you best get a heart like mine.
0: Scrooge sent shivers down the poor girl's spine and continued to the office. There was cold in him, and that cold had frozen all of his old features. It made his eyes red and his thin lips blue. Scrooge spoke shrewdly with his grating, gravelly voice.
2: Jacob Marley, you old canker, died seven years ago today.
0: Scrooge took his cane, raised it to his lips, and offered a kiss to the old wooden sign above the counting house door. Scrooge and Marley. It's true, Jacob Marley did die seven years ago today on Christmas Eve. But in those seven years, Scrooge never painted out old Marley's name, and the bank was still known as Scrooge and Marley. People new to the business sometimes called Scrooge, Scrooge, and sometimes Marley, but he answered to both names. It was all the same to him.
2: Cratchit, add one more coal to the fire. And I'll duck the whole entire reserve from your wages. I'm sorry sir. My apologies sir. I can't believe I dare to be so foolish. My only concern was my fingertips have turned a shade of purple I don't quite recognize. Fine. One more cold. And don't say I've never done anything for you.
0: The clerk Bob Cratchit tried to revive any warmth to the cold stone building, and Scrooge returned to his office. Scrooge always kept the door to his office open, so that he might keep an eye on Cratchit, who was now copying letters. Just then, the front door swung open and a bristling breeze swept through, nearly extinguishing the fire for good. A Merry Christmas to you, Uncle. God save you. The cheerful voice belonged to none other than Scrooge's only nephew, Fred.
2: Bah, humbug.
0: Christmas? A humbug, Uncle? You don't mean that, I'm sure.
2: I do. Merry Christmas. What right have you to be merry? What reason have you to be merry? You're poor enough.
0: Come, then, what right do you have to be dismal? You're rich enough. Scrooge, having no better answer ready on the spur of the moment, said,
2: Bah humbug. Don't be cross, uncle. What else can I be when I live in such a world of fools as this? Merry Christmas. What's Christmas time to you but a time for paying bills without money? A time for finding yourself a year older, but not an hour richer. If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. Uncle! Nephew, keep Christmas in your own way, and let me keep it in mine.
3: Keep it? But you don't keep it.
2: Leave it alone, then. Much good it may do you much good it has ever done you.
3: There are many things from which I might have derived good, but which have not profited, I dare say, Christmas among the rest. But I am sure that I have always thought of Christmas time, when it has come around, as a good time, a kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time. The only time I know of in the long calendar of the year Where men and women seem, by one consent to open their shut-up hearts freely and to think of people below them as if they were really fellow passengers to the grave and not another race of creatures bound on another journey and therefore uncle though it has never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket i believe that it has done me good and will do me good and i say god bless it
0: the clerk bob cratchit involuntarily applauded becoming immediately sensible of the impropriety He poked the fire and extinguished the last frail spark forever.
3: Don't be angry, Uncle. Come, dine with us tomorrow.
2: Why did you get married? Because I fell in love. Because you fell in love? Love, the only thing in the world more ridiculous than a Merry Christmas. Good afternoon.
3: I want nothing from you. I ask nothing of you. Why cannot we be friends?
2: Good afternoon.
3: I am sorry with all my heart to find you so resolute. We've never had any quarrel to which I have been a party. But I have made the trial in homage to Christmas, and I'll keep my Christmas humour to last. So, a Merry Christmas, Uncle.
2: Good afternoon.
0: And a Happy New Year.
2: Good-bye.
0: His nephew left the room without an angry word notwithstanding. He stopped at the outer door to bestow the greetings of the season on the clerk, who, cold as he was, was warmer than Scrooge. A Merry Christmas, Bob Cratchit. Merry Christmas, Mr. Fred. In letting himself out, young Fred let two other people in. They were portly gentlemen, pleasant to behold, and now stood with their hats off in Scrooge's office. They had books and papers in their hands, and bowed to him. Scrooge and Marley's, I believe, have we the pleasure of addressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley?
2: Mr. Marley has been dead these seven years. He died seven years ago this very night.
0: Oh. Our condolences, sir.
3: We have no doubt his generosity is well represented by his surviving partner.
0: At this festive season of year, Mr. Scrooge, it is more than usually desirable that we should make some slight provision for the poor and destitute, who suffer greatly at the present time.
2: Many thousands are in want of common necessaries, hundreds of thousands are in want of common comforts, sir. Are there no prisons? Plenty of prisons. And the union workhouses, are they still in operation? They are, sir. Oh, I was afraid from what you said at first that something had occurred to stop them from their services.
1: Under the influence of
3: Christian cheer, a few of us are endeavouring to raise a fund to buy the poor some meat and drink, and means of warmth. What shall we put you down for?
2: Nothing.
0: Oh, you wish to be anonymous?
2: I wish to be left alone. Since you ask me what I wish, gentlemen, that is my answer. I wish to be left alone. From all of you, I don't make myself merry at Christmas, and I can't afford to make idle people merry. I help to support the establishments I have mentioned. They cost enough.
0: Many can't go there. And many would rather die.
2: If they would rather die, they had better do it quick. Good afternoon, gentlemen.
0: Seeing clearly that it would be useless to pursue their point, the gentlemen withdrew. Scrooge resumed his labors with an improved opinion of himself and in a more facetious temper than was usual with him.
2: (sighs) Good for nothing.
0: Meanwhile, the fog and darkness thickened. The ancient tower of a church became invisible, and while its gruff old bell struck the hour in the clouds, the cold became intense, piercing, searching, biting cold. Despite all of that, Scrooge and the clerk Bob Cratchit could still make out the faint melody of a Christmas carol.
2: Bah humbug! You'll want all day tomorrow, I suppose. If quite convenient, sir. It's not convenient, and it's not fair. If I was to stop half a crown for it, you'd think yourself ill-used, am I wrong? And yet, you don't think me ill-used when I pay a day wages for no work. Christmas comes but once a year, sir. A poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. But I suppose you must have the whole day. Be here all the earlier next morning. Oh, sir, thank you. Thank you truly from the bottom of my heart. There's never been a more generous man than you. I could kiss you if you let me. No more of that. And you're locking up tonight. Yes, sir. Of course, sir.
0: The clerk Bob Cratchit immediately began to put the house back in order, and Scrooge walked out with a growl. Scrooge took his melancholy dinner in his usual melancholy tavern and having read all the newspapers and beguiled the rest of the evening with his banker's book, went home to bed. The walk from tavern to bed was brittle. Along the way, Scrooge took notice of a small boy with a terrible limp. The boy propped up his left side with a crooked wooden crutch. He was bundled in jackets and coats, but each one was a mere rag. With a squint, Scrooge could spot a hole in the boy's boot. But despite all this, the boy remained in high spirits. Even as he trudged through sludge and snow, even as wind more than ten times his size nearly trounced him to the ground. Scrooge and boy passed ways. Merry Christmas!
2: Bah humbug!
0: The winds and the hounds competed in their howls to the moon. Scrooge continued his journey home, and the whole while he felt of being followed. There was a persistent rattling, like chains, that Scrooge could hear from just a few yards away. But every time he summoned the courage to look, they would cease. Scrooge surmised it must be the combination of goose livers, custard, and brandy that made him hear such things. As Scrooge approached his door, the door knocker caught his eye. Now, it is a fact that there was nothing at all particular about the knocker on the door, except that it was very large. It is also a fact that Scrooge had seen it, night and morning during his whole residence in that place. He knew the knocker well, but on this very night, when Scrooge put his key in the lock of the door, he saw... Marley? Marley's face. He was not angry or ferocious, but looked at Scrooge as Marley used to look, with ghostly spectacles turned up on its ghostly forehead. The hair was curiously stirred, as if by breath or hot air, and though the eyes were wide open, they were perfectly motionless that and its livid color made it horrible it can't be Scrooge looked fixedly at this phenomenon and then it was a knocker again
2: bah rubbish
0: Scrooge entered his cavernous house took comfort in the study and poured himself a nightcap
2: who goes there Come on with it. (laughs) My, my, Scrooge, that's enough for one night. Off to bed with you.
0: Scrooge ventured toward the bedroom.
2: What is this deception?
0: Scrooge entered the bedroom, closed his door, and locked himself in. Double locked himself in, which was not his custom. He put on his dressing gown, his slippers, and his cap.
2: Humbug. It's humbug, all the same. I won't believe it. Scrooge's
0: color changed. The clanging grew louder, the voices grew nearer, until Scrooge believed they were coming from behind his bedroom door.
2: Who goes there? Show yourself.
0: On that command, the phantom passed through the door as if nothing were there he was bound and the chain he drew was clasped about his middle it was long and wound around him like a tail and it was made of cash boxes keys padlocks ledgers deeds and heavy purses wrought in steel his body was transparent
2: what do you want with
1: me much who are you that is the wrong question Ask me who I was. Who were you then? In life, I was your partner, Jacob Marley. Jacob
2: Marley. Jacob Marley Marley right before my eyes. This is preposterous. This is pure absurdity. This is a figment of my indulgence. You may be an undigested bit of beef, a blot of mustard a crumb of cheese, a fragment of an underdone potato. There's more of gravy than a grave about you, whatever you are.
0: At this, the spirit raised a frightful cry and shook its chain with such a dismal and appalling noise that Scrooge held on tight to his chair to save himself from falling in a swoon. But how much greater was his horror when the phantom, taking off the bandage round its head, as if it were too warm to wear indoors, its lower jaw dropped down upon its breast. Scrooge fell upon his knees and clasped his hands before his face.
2: Mercy, dreadful apparition, why do you trouble me?
1: Man of the worldly mind. Do you believe in me or not?
2: I do, I must. Spirit, why do you walk the
1: earth, and why do you come to me? It is required of every man that the spirit within him should walk abroad among his fellowmen and travel far and wide. And if that spirit goes not forth in life, it is condemned to do so after death. It is doomed to wander through the world. Oh, woe is me, and witness what it cannot share but might have shared on earth and turned into happiness.
2: You are fetid, tell me why.
1: I wear the chain I forged in life, I made it link by link, and yard by yard. I girded it on my own free will, and on my own free will I ward. Is its pattern strange to you, or would you know, the weight and length of the strong coil you bear yourself? It was full as heavy as long as this, seven Christmas eves ago. You have labored on it since. It is a ponderous chain. (laughs) Seven years dead and traveling all the time. No rest, no peace, incessant torture of remorse.
0: The ghost set up another cry and clanked its chain so hideously in the dead silence of the night.
2: But you were always a good man of business, Jacob.
0: Scrooge faltered, knowing this applied to himself, too.
1: Business! Mankind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, and benevolence were all my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. Why did I walk through crowds of fellow beings with my eyes turned down and never raise them to that blessed star which led the wise man to a poor abode? Were there no poor homes to which its light could have conducted me? Hear me, my time is nearly gone. You will be haunted, Ebenezer, by three spirits. Without their visits, you cannot hope to shun the path I tread. Expect the first when the bell tolls one.
2: Couldn't I just take them all at once and get it over?
1: Silence! Look to see me no more. And look that, for your own sake, you remember what has passed between us.
0: When it had said these words, the specter's chains leapt from its body and wrapped around Scrooge. Their weight pulled him to his knees, then onto his back. As Scrooge panicked, he feared the chains were pulling him through the floorboards. Ah! No! No more! And then, Ah. the chains slowly began to evaporate. Scrooge climbed to his head, and Marley's ghost was no more. Scrooge suddenly felt it hard to breathe, rushed to the window, threw open the shutters, and inhaled deeply. He surveyed the night.
2: He felt its calm. A nightmare, nothing more than a dream. The clock, a quarter past? Half past? A quarter to it? The hour itself and nothing else! Are you the spirit whose coming was foretold to me?
3: I am.
0: A Christmas Carol is made possible thanks to the support of the Zaverian administration President Robert Alisi, Principal Deacon Kevin McCormack, and the endless time and talents of our students and their families. On behalf of everyone involved, we'd like to wish you a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and we'll see you next episode.